Hey kids, I'm Michelle Carlo and this show is Fish Out of Agua. Welcome to episode two of season two where we are focusing on the artists in a big way. And what an artist we're opening with this week. Count Basie with Jumpin' at the Woodside, which those of a certain age might remember better as the song Jean Jean the Dancing Machine danced to on The Gong Show. In the 1970s, many of us kids pretended to be sick so we could stay home to watch it. Well, at least I did. Sorry, Mom. And now back to Count Basie and his orchestra from 1938. And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. I want to give myself a little correction there. I said that some of us from a certain generation might remember this song better as being from the gong show when I actually meant to say some of us might remember it first. <laughs> it's funny, um, back in the 70s and I guess the 60s and part of the 80s also, many of the times that we were introduced to classical or other music that wasn't rock or pop music was in cartoons. I remember so many of the Bugs Bunny cartoons and later on you'd hear this music and you'd be like, oh yeah, it, that's like from when Daffy Duck blew himself up. And it's like, no, it's like this big like symphony orchestra movement thing. And you're like, okay. <laughs> well, it's time for our story for my part segment of this. And, um, yeah, this is uh, not from Fish Out of Agua. There's lots of stories that went on. Not everything could go into the book. And um, this is a story about relationships 
and what happens when you don't think and consequences and being a teenager in the Bronx in the 1970s and it's called dirt. Dawn said, Nicole said, Evelyn said, you were going to kick Ruthie's ass. When I was 17, Ruthie, who lived in the building next door to where I grew up and who was known for her family's giant Akitas, Pisser and Dynamite, was my best friend. We were the kind of friends you can only be when you were 17. I helped her take care of Dynamite's puppies. She helped me buy jeans that fit. We took turns holding each other hair back when we puked after drinking too many Heinekens. Best friends till the end. Or until, until she started going out with Tommy Twofinger. The first time I saw Tommy, he was in the alley between our buildings drinking a champagne. Tommy was short, he was skinny, and he was missing the fingernail parts off of two fingers on his left hand from when a car door had slammed on him. But to me... He was Andy Garcia, and for the first time in my life, I wanted someone else's boyfriend. I tried making friends with his sister Evelyn, but found out she was a klepto and had to throw her out of my house. I tried drinking champagne, but it was gross. And then I wore a danskin bodysuit with no bra underneath at Ruthie's house. That worked. When Ruthie went to feed the puppies, Tommy asked if I could play pool. When I said, yeah, kinda, he said, well, I like girls who are good with a stick. Let's hang out Friday. And then Ruthie came back. And I hadn't felt that guilty since I was ten and stole a Malibu Barbie out of Bullworth's only to sneak it back the next day in a taped-up box. The next day at school, I asked Ruthie if she would cry if she and Tommy broke up. And she said, I never cry over guys. They're not worth it. Which I took as a sign. And when I found out that Ruthie was going with her family that weekend to take Dynamite's puppies to their new homes, I took that as another sign that Tommy and me were meant to be. That Friday, I wore my Danskin bodysuit again underneath a long suede coat with fake fur trim I had gotten from my parents for Christmas. A coat I had begged, pleaded, and whined for. And even though it probably cost half of what my dad made in a week at the time, I didn't care. In my mind, I deserved that coat. I was 17, I was a fierce fly fox, and I was going to go out with Tommy Twofinger. I met Tommy where he said and realized right away that it was a bar. Even though the legal drinking age was 18 back then, I was still underage. Plus, my father had warned me I was not allowed in bars. But of course... I went in anyway. Tommy was already drunk. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw his sister Evelyn and knew she had seen me. I almost ran out and went home, but then Tommy bought me a beer and then another, and we played a couple of games of pool, both of which I won because he was way drunker than me. And then he took the pool stick out of my hand, and all I could think was he is going to kiss me, and I am going to die. Only... When he did, his breath tasted like cat food, which with the two pints of beer on the empty stomach made me feel like I was going to die. So I said, I got to go home now. But when I went to get my coat, it was gone. Did I mention it was March and I was wearing a danskin bodysuit 
with no bra underneath? Well, I searched, well, I searched in vain for my coat. Tommy and Evelyn also disappeared, which I knew was another sign. I had totally fucked up. By the time I made it home, it was midnight, an hour past my curfew. And when I finally told my parents under interrogation, rightful interrogation, that my coat was stolen from a bar, I was grounded for two weeks. But the next day, the phone call started. My coat had been seen on Tommy's sister Evelyn, the klepto, the one I had to throw out of my house. She told all her friends that she took it as payment for her not telling Ruthie I hung out with Tommy behind her back. Only the coat didn't even fit her. I was five foot two and weighed 108 pounds. She was five eight and weighed a little bit more. But when I saw Ruthie in school on Monday, she acted like nothing happened. In fact, when my grounding was over, the first person I saw at the schoolyard was Ruthie, who hugged me and told me how much she'd missed me. The second person I saw was Evelyn in my stretched-out coat, giving me the finger. Ruthie saw, and she turned to me and said, Don't worry, Shell. I'll help you get it back. You're my best friend. I felt sick. And the next day came the phone call with Evelyn saying how I was going to beat Ruthie up to get Tommy back. And I banged down the phone and ran to the schoolyard where the first thing I saw was the back of my coat. All I can say is that a, a madness took me. And in the sea of red, I ran along a row of benches, jumped on the coat's back and pushed it face down on the ground. And then the sea of red subsided and my eyes cleared, and I saw it wasn't Ruthie, I mean, it wasn't Evelyn, but it was Ruthie, who, did I mention, was also five foot eight, and who had ripped my coat off Evelyn's back not five minutes before, and who now had a bloody nose for her loyalty. And then Evelyn, who was still staggering from the beating Ruthie had thrown her, appeared. The red madness took me again. I got up and pushed Evelyn as hard as I could and watched her fall to the ground face first too. Ruthie got up, wiped her nose, handed me my coat and said, She couldn't wait to tell me. And she and her cat-breath brother are both assholes. But I still would have been your friend. And she walked out of the schoolyard without saying another word. Evelyn ran off screaming. And I was left holding a stretched-out coat covered in slush, blood, and mud. Ruined. Just like my life. The next day, my father answered the door to a very large man. Tommy and Evelyn's dad, a cop who wanted to see who had broken his daughter's nose. And when I appeared, shaking, he roared with laughter and said, Ha! He told my father that Evelyn had been a bully for years and he was glad she had finally gotten hers. He said he'd intended to get my father to pay the doctor bill for the broken nose, but instead handed my father a $20 bill saying, Get the bantamweight something nice. If only. What really happened? I tried to make up with Ruthie. But she sicked her dogs on me and said, You didn't even break Evelyn's nose. I did. My father refused to buy me another coat, probably because it was finally spring. Tommy tried to hang out with me again, but I told him to get mine lives. Evelyn? She would cross the street every time she saw me for the next year. And Ruthie never spoke to me again.
ever. And that was the first, last, and only time I ever messed with someone else's boyfriend. And I never had a fierce fly foxy winter coat like that again, either.
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. When I started this season, I got the idea that I would ask each of my featured guest artists to give me the names of three or more of their favorite songs, and I would use them for the intros and the outros. And I know we all have our taste in music, and it's very subjective, and that's why there's so much music out there, so everybody gets to have their favorites. But I'm always amazed... I guess I am so far that what the music people have been picking, I'd love, even if I'm not familiar with it. Like, I had no idea that the Count Basie jumping at the woodside was the song from the gong show. And I, does that make me a Philistine? I don't know. But I didn't know. I didn't know. But 99 Red Balloons is like one of my favorite songs ever. And I thought it was a nice, wistful end to that dumb teenage story. Oh, my God. I swear. It's like, I sometimes I think that people are going to look at the 1970s the way people now look at like the 1870s like the tombstone deadwood wild west days i mean think about it like i did something stupid right and how many people knew about it like seriously like maybe seven or eight tops like now you do something stupid and the whole the whole world knows it's a whole new ball game because technology makes it possible for everyone to know when you've done something stupid even if it was 30 years ago like you all know right now But we have internet radio to entertain us, people. And now it's time for my favorite part of the show. Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist of the Week. Yes, I always say that everybody's my favorite. And it's because they are. So stay tuned for right now. Here we go. Whoa, 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 whoa. With Leanne Lord. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artist of the Week! We are kicking off Season 2 with new equipment. This is the (laughs) first interview that I am doing on a DAT recorder. Oh yes, improvements all the time. So I'm sitting here with one of my favorite performers ever, but um, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua. Hi everybody, I am Leanne Lord. Woo! Leanne Lord! Yay, and Leanne is like, okay, like, I kind of want to be her when I grow oh, up. Oh, please. No, because, like, you do everything. Like, you're, um, you're on TV what? with handsome, smart men. Oh. Uh, you do, you, 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 you do like, road trips all the time. Like, I do a road trip, like, once every, like, You just came year, back from yeah. a fabulous road trip. Yeah, but, like, I do maybe, like, two a year. Like, you, you know, you make, you know, yeah, whatever. I admire you. Okay, we are. I admire you great. You ha- I have one book. You have, like, six. Okay. Can we just say that we are in the Mutual Admiration Society? Aww. Can we say that? <laughs> we're, we're filming this, too. I just made a kissy face at her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all, well, I'm testing my new equipment as well. I'll probably delete it because I look heinous, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> so, anyway, Leanne Lord is an accomplished stand-up comedian and a writer and a public speaker and a television host. And what don't you do, girl? Do you do ballet? Um, no. Are you like Misty? Oh my God! No, <laughs> no, I, I, I can dance. I'm, you know, you put me in a Zumba class. I'm in the front row well, trying to outdo the instructor, but no okay. ballet. Okay, well, you know that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Par yeah, for the yeah. course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh, how did we meet? Was it through? Is it? It had to be through Eric. I was gonna say Eric Vetter. Eric has put together so many people and so many cool artists over the years. So I, that's absolutely how I met you. I'm sure he had a storytelling show. And, you know, you can't do a storytelling show in New York City without you. Aww. And I'm sh- that's how we met. And I was 
blown away by your at that at that point I met you you your book was just being published or about to be published. Oh wow. So that's like six 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 and change years ago. Was it? Yeah, no, yeah, not yeah. That long yeah, ago. it's going on seven. If, if it was a kid it'd be going it'd be, it'd be learning it'd be starting to learn like short division now. Oh my god. Or whatever. I don't know what trying to get into a magnet school. I've no idea what yeah, they're no, doing. No, it'd be it would be like going into second grade if it was if it was a yes, kid. Yes, second grade. Yeah. Um but I just remember being blown away by your stage presence and your oh. energy. Oh my god. You're just, I mean, you're, you, you, you have this, un, this uncontainable thing about you. Like, when you're in the room, you're in the room. Ah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sometimes that doesn't work for my good. But, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, when, like when I'm, um, you know, like, have to be, like, at a day job or something. Uh. Or, like, you know, like when I have to be, pretend to be housebroken. Right, oh, and yeah. domesticated. Yeah, And yeah. by the way, we are doing the fish out of agua time tested tradition of scamming the interview in the conference room of Fashionland. Yay, Fashionland. I, I, I take issue with the word scamming. Oh, okay. I, I call it repurposing. How about appropriating? Appropriating. Appropriating. Repurposing. Yes, repurposing. Yeah, we are, yeah. yes, yeah, we're, we're That's not, true, I'm not trespassing. I actually no, work here. you actually work here. Now, I'm loitering. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, um, do you know Aladdin Ula? Of course. He was one of the first people oh, I interviewed for season one. Really? And, like, I didn't know what to do. And so, and I was getting a haircut. And, and then, yeah, and, and I was like, well, meet me after this. I, th I think it was like Thanksgiving week. I think I had to go home and like start cooking like stuffing and turkey wow. and stuff. Okay, yeah, you, you're not busy. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Whatever. So anyway, d so I was like, where the hell are we going to go? So like I asked my hair cutter, my hairdresser, <laughs> I was like, um, where should I go for this interview? And he's like, well, go to the Soho Hotel uh, on Cros what a Crosby Hotel. Ooh. So, okay, we walk in the Crosby Hotel, and we see this quiet room, but then someone comes in and asks us if um, we are staying at the hotel, and like jerks, we say, uh, no. And he's oh. like, well, you can go into this public room, but it was noisy. Right. And, we, and we're like, fuck, what are we going to do? But then I saw this staircase with stairs, and I'm like, come on. So we go down the staircase. It's, t it's the bottom level. It's totally empty. Mm -hmm. There's like a bar area with tables, and I'm like, yeah, but we could get caught here so I go into another door that's open and it's an auditorium it's mm. a private screaming screening screaming screening room <laughs> well depending on the movie you could yeah, be screaming right it was a private screening room so we closed the door and we sat down on these like plush chairs and we did the interview there I love and, it and, and I felt like we were just like yay like you know like when you stay in the timeshare and, and, and like you crash like the, the, the fancy hotel yeah yeah. Oh my God. You know what? That's such a lesson in you. You just gotta own it, you know, because most people would have done what you did instead of going. Oh, excuse me, what's your name? Like, are you supposed to be here? <laughs> you know. So yeah. It. it well, I don't know. But you know, I'm a native. I'm a native New Yorker. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. We know. don't. I don't know from hotels. Not here. Yeah. No, I did that. I, I've done that. You never did that. You never. You never scammed the fancy hotel. Always. Oh, okay. Always. I'm just saying. Appropriated. If you're gonna do it, you gotta own it. Yeah. 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 Where do you get the towels? Like, but don't point in two different directions. Oh my God. So, um, where do we start? I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm thinking. I'm wondering if you knew. Did you know me when I was doing Carmen Fungo? No. Or did you only, you only knew me as a storyteller? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So there, there, it is reason because some people that I, I've had on, I knew from like the '90s and stuff. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I did not have the pleasure. Okay. I did not have the <laughs> oh wow. So how? Okay, so let's let's talk about you now. Oh, oh my Lord. god. So um, you know, I thought I always thought you were native New Yorker, but you're I not. I am. Oh, you are. Yeah, yeah. Born and raised in Queens. Yeah, Queens. Of course. What what hood? Um, South Jamaica. Oh, okay. Yes, Police Precinct One Thirteen. Oh Holla. my god. Holla. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sounds like you've been there. No, no. Actually, <laughs> once or twice, uh, you know, they'll get a police accident report. That's about oh, okay. it. And then usually them speeding by, trying oh, okay. not to be noticed. Okay. You, but you never, like, sat in the bench there. 
They have benches. Well, I don't know. Oh, when, 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 when I got picked up, I, I, I got I got oh. a busted for writing graffiti when I was like, like when I was like in eighth grade. Oh my god. Or gosh. seventh grade, yeah. And they put me on they put me on a bench and like I was trying to be like all hard. Oh yeah, I, no, I was such a toy. Oh and then god. like they're like, you, this is gonna happen to you. This is gonna happen to you. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know what, you know what broke me? What? They brought me a cup of cold tea and a piece of like bologna sandwich that had mold on it and they said this is all you get to eat in jail and I started bawling and I gave oh them everything they knew. Oh my god, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah. That's how they broke you. Yeah, that was like your story. Food. I'm telling you, once a toy. You were scared straight by moldy bologna. <laughs> that's perfect. Jamaica. Oh, yes. Jamaica is where the New York Dolls came from. So I hear. Yeah, yeah. I think two, three of them or two of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Queens. Queens. Um, Queens has produced a lot of creative people. Yes, I mean it's the home of jazz. Yeah, apparently, so they say. Um, a lot of jazz artists lived in 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 the Queens area. Punk, the Ramones, right. the New York Dolls, glam rock. I mean the home of rap as yeah. well. I mean you know yeah. Not, yeah, not, to, not to diminish you know the Bronx's contribution right. or any other right. borough, right. but I'm just saying. Watch that in Ireland. Right. Queens has definitely contributed. Yes, contributed. Uh, and the musical folks. theater stars. Yes. Yes. You know, so you know we do our yeah. part. New wave. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cindy, Cindy Lauper. That's right. She she has that Queens accent. Yes, yeah, she Quality. does. Yeah, she does. And um, standards. Antonio Di Benedetto originally hailed from Astoria. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You know yeah. more about my borough than I do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I was um, sheltered. I, was I, I do sheltered. trivia questions sometimes. So oh right. Like, okay. Know, like, I spend minutes on Wikipedia. So <laughs> so how did you find yourself in this wonderful, beautiful, creative thing that we do? Oh my gosh, I. I'm I'm not sure which point of entry I can give. Did you do Did to. you do it? Did you do acting in high school? Well, did you go to performing arts? Well, that, well, that's the thing. I know I didn't. I okay. wanted to, but okay. I did it. Well, well let's hear. Let's, let's hear about that. the journey. I shouldn't say that. Okay. When I was in high school, um, I was in the marching bands. I oh, was, yeah, musician, drummer, snap. Yes. Can you still do it? No. Oh. <laughs> I was I was gonna have you drum on the table. No, I am not, Madam Alex D'Souza. Okay. I am not her. Um, but you know, it's really funny that sort of came Alex out of Alex DeSue, who will also be in a future episode. She is fantastic. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I t- I had to take art or music, you know, in high school, so I took music. What first. high school? I went to St. Francis Prep. Oh, okay. Yes, I was such a Queens girl. Oh my gosh. Catholic girl, Catholic school. Catholic girl. I am still recovering. Oh my god. Do you, do you have that round handwriting? Did you use the dot your eyes with circles and hearts? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I'm not speaking without benefit of counsel. No, there were no emails then. Right. No, not at all. Um, but yeah, no, I took music because I thought it would be easy. Mm. I was out of my mind. I didn't know. And so I, I, you know, I really half-assed it. And I got my, my first, well, I shouldn't say my first. I got an F for the first quarter. F? An F. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. I can, I can say that. It's not FCC. It's internet oh, radio. Woo, okay. So we can say that. Good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what you said. And <laughs> I was so mortified. You know, because it was, you know, prep is like college prep school, private, you know, it's all about college, college, college. I leaped in with both feet to sort of reclaim my academic dignity and ended up joining the marching band. And at the time, there were no girls on this on the on the snare line on the drum line. Really? Yeah. And so, so they, you were a pioneer. Well, they gave me the bass because they thought that would discourage me. And it was ah. this big old bass, and it was bigger and heavier than I was. And I just stuck with it. I brought friends on with me, and eventually made my way up. We a bunch of us made our way up to the snare line. And wow! So, yeah. Did you ever like do the Thanksgiving Macy's parade or anything? No, no, no. We my we weren't doing that until after I graduated. Oh yeah, everything always happens after you graduate. No, right? It's the truth. Yes, right. Yes. Ah. I went to Baruch, right here in the city. I went to SVA. Hey, right up the block. 
right up the block. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And of course, we ain't gonna know, talk about what year we got out. No, so no, no, forget no, no. that. That's not even no, that's a classified. Question. That's classified. Like, just last week. Just yeah, last week. Exactly. But yeah, they brought they built this big, beautiful, gorgeous library after I left. Yeah, that's always <laughs> after you leave. Always. But it's okay. I'm alumni. I get to go back and still appreciate it. Yes, alumni. Yes. Being alumni is nice. I like being alumni. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, uh, so when did you get? Okay, so you started out in music. Right. So I when did, did you I get? I did music. I feel I was always a writer. You know, as a, as a kid. You know. Did I you write always, songs? No, I just wrote like little short stories and little oh. mini plays. Did and you act like them out in your house? Well, yeah, because I was a weird little kid. Yeah. Well, you know, we're all you weird. Know? That's why we're artists. Exactly. You know what? I would read the stories to yeah. my parents, who were also artistic in their own way, but they were also first generation. Um, from immigrant parents themselves, oh, okay. so they so worked. From where? Because uh, okay. Fish Out of Agua um, listeners want to know yeah, okay. the uh, point of origin. Well, okay, from my mom's side, uh, my mom's side is from my grandfather, he's Jamaican. Oh, okay. And on my dad's side, Barbados and Trinidad. Wow, so yeah. you're West Indian yeah, all the way. West, well, I'm very American at this point. Oh, yeah, but, well, me, well uh, I'm Puerto Rican-American, right. but so we're Caribbean. Right, exactly. So and rice and, and peas are con candoles. Right. Anybody listening will know that that is really a mixed marriage. You know, people think mixed marriage, they think white and black. But they're like, oh, I got three islands going on. Three islands. So nobody thought the marriage would work. So that's, <laughs> this, so, so that's actually um, mapeol, worse than Puerto Rican and Dominican. Oh, <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I remember my, mo my mom and dad would talk about the wedding, and they would say, you know, people were just sort of sitting back, taking bets. Like, so oh, so what's the, what are the cultural differences? Or the, or the, are they cultural? Are they, um, to me, I mean, are they attitude differences? Because Language I, differences? For me. Well, no, Jamaica's English and English. English and English. Well, yeah. the, you know, you got English listen. and English. Right, exactly. Yeah. For English me, or Yama accents. English. Yeah. Oh, different. yeah, yeah. You know, like people do a generic Caribbean accent and they think it's for everybody and it's not. Ah. There's a difference between Jamaican, there's a difference between Trini, there's a difference, you know, in Beijing. And I can't do it because my ear grew up listening to Jamaican. Right. Because I spent more time with my mom's family, you know, but my grandfather, my dad's father, had this wonderful beautiful little Bajan lilt Ooh. that I didn't know I missed until I went to Barbados. And I heard an older gentleman talk. He was the bus driver of our tour bus. And I just looked at him and I said, sir, I'm not trying to be inappropriate, but you remind me of my grandfather. Just hearing you speak, it just brought you know, that voice back. Oh, it, nice. And it, 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 yeah, again, it wasn't something I knew I was missing until I heard it. So, you know, sometimes they say that smell is the greatest memory, but sometimes I think hearing and voices bring back stuff. Yeah, I mean, memory is accessed in, in many places. Yeah. I can't say which one is number one, yeah. you know, but, you know, being aware and letting, you know, you, any of your senses bring you something beautiful, yeah. why not? The music of a voice, like my, my grandmother used to sing, mm. and she would sing softly to herself when she thought nobody was listening. And wow. she's been gone since '94, and mm. like I, and she was like singing hymns because she oh, was, yeah, she was, exactly. she was, you know, she was in Iglesia Pentecostal, <laughs> you know. Oh, she was very serious. Well, she was serious, but not serious hmm. because, like, she. I remember she, she, she. In my memory, because this is a memoir, right? She was asked to leave a church, and one of the, one of the reasons was like she shaved her legs and she wore lipstick, and and like you know she she assisted her hair, and you know she tweezed the eyebrows. Yeah, like you know, I'm, I'm, and and she would be like, no, she's like, she like, God looks down on you and says, woman, shave those legs. That's hilarious. <laughs> Bleach that mustache. Yes, yes. Tweeze that chin. That that is that is for the betterment of the community. She would be like, how are the young women going to get a husband if they don't? Do and uh, that was my yeah, you know. And then she'd be like, so strict. 
date quieta, me voy pa' pao, you know. And what does that mean? That would be a, be careful, I'm going to get you, watch out, oh, I'm going to wow. get you. Like, you know, the chancleta. I, uh, actually, <laughs> I, I don't know if this is for all island cultures or only for Latin island cultures, but the weapon of choice, the person that invented the heat-seeking missile <laughs> must have <laughs> came from a Latin family because any abuela can launch a chancleta. That's pork chop. A chancleta. I was about to say, those with, are delicious. Yeah, I know. She threw a pork yeah, chop at you? Yeah, no, you gotta be rich if you throw a pork <laughs> exactly. chop Exactly. They'll launch a chancleta at you with like pinpoint accuracy and it'll ping you right in your forehead even wow. if you're behind the door or if you're under a bed with your little brother in front of you. I'm telling you, serious. This is serious stuff. I will I will say it's not necessarily the shoe in West Indian culture, uh, but there is the definite dedication and seriousness to uh, child discipline mm. and making children go outside and cut a switch down. Oh, snap. Yes, bring, bring me the method of your device. So the, the switch <laughs> is like a branch from a tree. Yes, yes. This was uh, before everybody was going green. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. That is crazy. All right. Now, but, but now that we've established that we were both beaten in our youth. Well, no. actually, I was actually very fortunate. I was the youngest and the only girl. So oh. I got to watch my older brothers make mistakes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm good. See, so, yeah, I was low maintenance. Yeah, I, I was the oldest and the oh. more adventurous one, let's just say. You adventurous? I can't even imagine All right, so, as whoa. I reach for my wine glass. <laughs> wine glass. Let's get back to uh, performing. Hmm. Okay, so you're in college now. You're in Baruch. Cling, cling. Yes. Uh, so you're at Baruch and you're writing and you're doing little plays and then what? Well, that's where I, I think the theater bug bit me. You know, I kind of, music was in high school and pre performing on stage and you know, doing theater was college. And it wasn't until after I graduated from college and, you know, got a corporate job that I really hated. And I'm like, this is Ugh. miserable. How do, what's going to make me happy? And it was getting back to performing. And you're just, in your 20s at this point? I was at, in my 20s at that point. Um, and it, I, it, I wanted to perform again, but I knew it wouldn't be theater. And I just sort of added up the things that I thought I was good at. I was good at writing. I was good at performing. I was good at making my friends laugh. Mm. Now, I understood that that was different from getting on stage and doing it for money. Right. Um, but I still thought that was a good. See, some people never basis. understand that. <laughs> <laughs> big difference, big difference, you know. And then I, so I started doing stand up, and so I how, did, did you know, how did you know that stand up was a thing, though? Well, you know what? It's really funny. I was sort of on the search for what I wanted to do with my okay. life, and my boyfriend at the time. Got, was this the nineties? This was the nineties. Okay, he got, we can start mentioning decades after uh, the nineties. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. We need have point of reference somewhere. Uh, uh, so it's the nineties. Yeah. We, we're not gonna tell you beginning, middle, end. No, 90s. we're not. We're not. We'll keep you guessing. It's a cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but my boyfriend at the time uh, got me tickets or got us tickets to see a brand new show uh, being taped in New York City called Deaf Comedy Jam. Oh, everybody knew what that joint oh, was. Oh, and this was hot. It was brand new. We had tickets. And I remember sitting in the balcony watching the show, and I was just tingling. I mean, because it was, first of all, it was a great show. Mm. But I was like, who was on it? That. Um, I'm trying to remember who the warm-up was. I think the warm-up was Bill Bellamy, I want to say. Wow. Um, Michael Collier was on the show. Now, I don't know if he was the host or the warm-up or he was just, you know, I can't remember what his position no. on the show was. But I'm he, not familiar with him. Oh, Michael Collier. He, oh, i got to go Google he, grown him. Grown man. Grown man. So he's got to be up there now. Right, right. But just so effortless and funny and he nice. took his time. You know, he had this joke, and I'm paraphrasing it, and it's, you know, it's definitely a dated reference, but he said he was watching TV, and he was really angry, and he called up his, his agent, because he said he saw, you know, the Rodney King. Mm. And he's like, 
he called his agent up. He's like, how come I didn't get that Timex commercial? Oh, snap. Yeah. yeah. And it took the audience a second, and then in that couple of seconds, we all processed, well, Timex, what? And their slogan at the time was, takes the licking, licking and keeps on ticking. And just when the, and he waited. He was so patient, and he waited for, the, for that realization and that knowledge to sink in, and the roar from the audience was just deafening and the laughter. Wow. And I said, that, that, I want to do that. 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 Were there any <laughs> women on the show? Not that I remember. Not the, not at the no taping Wanda Sykes, I was at. No Wonder Sykes? Not, no, and not that I, that's, show. She is the only female black comedian I can think of from the 90s. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. well, right now, I could probably think of more later. Right, but like, sure. I, I just well, well, second. Well, yeah, on the gun. I mean, there's yeah. Thea Vidal. There's yes. some more. Yes. I mean, yeah, there's quite a few. Okay. Yeah, there's yeah. quite a few. Um, but I can't remember if any were on the show that night. I just remember having this epiphany of this is where my talents converge. That's what I want to do. Amazing. And you just went ahead and started doing it with no classes or anything? No, no, no. I took, okay, I am very organized, workaholic, control freak, perfectionist. I, I believe it's in a book. I got to take a class, the whole deal. So I took a class. And here's the thing, and I say this all the time. No one can teach you how to be funny. Correct. Okay, you kind of have to have that already within you and then have that talent nurtured and guided and, and you know, and you still have to put in the work. Yes. You know, and learn what the structure is, the yeah. setup, the punchlines, discovering your voice and, and putting together a routine. That's all your job. Yeah. You know, and somebody can give you sort of the steps, you still have to put in the work. Right. And so I wanted to know what those steps were. Mm. So I, you know, I took a class and got on stage for the first time. Where? Comic strip. Oh my, oh my gosh. So you, you didn't start, you, wasn't, you didn't start small. It wasn't, like, did it wasn't not. like Faceboy's Open Mic and Surf no, Reality no. or Rev Jen's Anti-Slam. I had. And a lot of people came out of there. Yes. And, you know, it was one of those nights, you know, the MC was the uh, teacher of the class, and so he hosted the night. And, of course, so there were, you know, main, you know, regular comics on the show, and then they mixed us and we mm -hmm. began. And I just remember getting on stage, and it was only five minutes, and I can't even tell you what I said. Oh, my God. I just, I remember being shocked when the audience laughed at my first joke. Oh, my God. Because I had been practicing in my kitchen in front of my dog, and she was totally not impressed with me yeah, well, yeah. at all. So. Not, not unless you had, like, treats in no, your mouth. Yeah. No, yeah. So she would kind of get up and walk out like I was disturbing her. Um, so they laughed at my first joke, and it, I was just hooked like a junkie from that moment. Because I just, I remember even just getting on stage, my nervousness went away. Wow. And I felt like I was at home, like that was where I was supposed to I'm be. I'm like that when I'm performing too. I get yes. mad nervous right yes. before. Mm -hmm. Like, like okay, let's say I'm going up sixth out of like eight oh, or whatever. that's the worst. No, but you know, I can sit and listen through yes. one through five. Mm -hmm. But if I'm going up seventh and then number six comes on, I'm like, dang, and I'm like yep. pacing, mm -hmm. I'm like, eh. Mm -hmm. But the second I walk until I walk on that stage yep. and I stand in front of that mic, it all goes it goes out of me yep. and it goes into the audience yes. and I'm fine Yes, and I'm fine and I'm in control well, you're more than fine I'm, I see you put that energy I, out I, there I, I, yeah but you know the thing is I mean it's similar what we do but it's dissimilar because, I mean you do storytelling also but the thing that I always admire about stand-ups is the craft of a joke the setup and the punchline oh, yeah. I was I am not good at that mm. I'm funny Yes, I'm yes funny. you are. I'm, I, I, but my humor comes out of either like situations mm -hmm. or characters. I'm not doing set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. To me, that is a skill, and I admire you it guys is. for that. It is. Set up punch, routining, segues, yeah. you know, 
variations yeah. of the segues are in stories thing. too, but like yes. the, the but but the 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 structures it's like it's like two different types of houses. Let's Yo, say completely. It's like two different types of houses. Completely. Yeah, yeah. You know, and fancy it, houses. It's the same way that nice you know, stand up is different from improv is different from comedic acting. Yeah. You know, that, that yeah. I have a healthy respect for each one. Neither one of them is the same. Yeah. But they all complement. Like one's a duplex, other. one's a loft, one's a brownstone. Yes, you yes. know, one's all, a split level. All one, unaffordable here right, in New York City. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um. We are. I'm sitting here looking at three of her books, oh my of, of Leanne's books. So um, we have Real Women Do It Standing Up, yes. and those are her actual legs. Those are my actual legs. And they, they are fierce. Thank and you. And now you know how old I am, and I don't care. We have Leanne Lord's Big Book of Book Titles. Woohoo! And we have Leanne Lord's Dict Jokes. I have to pronounce the T. Yeah, dict. you have to pop that T. Dict. Like dictionary jokes. So when... When did you decide that you were going to start publishing, and like what year, and like what was the first book you published? Um, we're going to do a little reading for one of those books. Okay, uh, the first book, uh, well, here's what's funny. The Real Women Do It Standing Up was supposed to be the first book. Oh. It was supposed to be the first one, because I've been writing for years. You know, I have, you know, little comedic essays. I shouldn't say little, but, you know, I've been writing these funny little essays, a la Irma Bombeck, for years. So I had this, you know, collection that I thought would be ready to go. Okay. Um, but I wanted to do it right, whatever that means. So I said, well, okay, let me do something else first to sort of get my feet wet mm. in publishing. And so I did dick jokes. Mm -hmm. And uh, neither one of these was easy. <laughs> my writing a book's not easy. No, it is not. No, it is not. Um, I only wrote one. You wrote three. I'm like, oh. Oh, no, please. But, you know, it, it, and what gave me the idea to do this was were people on Facebook. And Twitter, they kept, you know, because I would do these words of the day. Right. And they would say, oh, you should do a book. And I'm like, no, yeah, why not? So that's how Dick Jokes became uh, the first one. Because I, I used to do these every day. Now I do it once a week. And I had all these words. And I said, you know what? I'll put it together. And, cool. And put it out there. And, you know, so it was my first book. I have a soft spot uh, for it. You know, by far it's still um, the most popular because it's the one that I talk about. Um, the most, and it's so much fun. And the name sticks in your head. It does. I mean, real women do it standing color. up. You know, big book of book titles. Women do it become dicked. Right, exactly, exactly. All it's, right, it's so let's let's hear a little snippet from it. From dick jokes. Wow. Is that that's what you want? That's what you yeah. You know, I was actually gonna do from this one because this. One oh, okay. We're gonna we're gonna do it from real women standing up. That's okay. Let's live radio, people. I think it happened. <laughs> Live radio. Yes, it can. Woo, is that a fire? Okay. No, I'm not. Run. I'm not even cutting this out. I'm leaving it in. No, Go. that's fine. That's well. This book. Well, like I said, it was a, is a collection of essays, um, a la Irma Bombeck, and you know, I the the I was what do you call it? Uh, the unifying factor in all the stories is it's all about uh, my life as a stand-up. Oh, great. You know, so it's about offstage, backstage. You know, my experiences with famous people. Um, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, he actually, who you co-host oh with. Gosh. I have to get that in in case you run out of time. What channel is that on, real quick? And what day? Um, it's on Nat Geo. I don't know the day, believe it <laughs> or not. But I know we were nominated for two Emmys. I oh, my God. That. That's great. I hope you get them. Well, the first one we didn't get. I don't know about the second. Okay. Well, it didn't happen yet. No. Okay. So, um, honestly, the essay that I wrote that's in the book and I wanted to read I picked it because, I don't know if you realize this, but it'll be three years this month in May that Maya Angelou passed. Oh, snap. Yes. Oh and I remember when she passed, I was motivated to write um, an essay about when I had met her, like that experience. You met her? She Michelle falls on floor. <laughs> 
and that essay is actually in the book. Oh my god! And it's I thought it would be appropriate all the way. Read around. it. Yes. Read okay. It. And it's without called, further ado. Without further ado. The tribute to Maya Angelou. And it is called My Maya. All right. Well, it's disingenuous to claim Maya Angelou as mine, but don't we all kind of feel that way? She sat next to me once in first class on an early morning flight. I can't tell you where I was going to or coming from. I mean, most likely a comedy gig. I really don't know. All I remember with any clarity is that I was sitting next to Maya Angelou. Now, I had boarded early and I was ensconced in the window seat, selfishly hoping the next one, you know, next to me would remain open. I looked up and I saw her coming down the aisle. At first I thought, huh, she looks familiar. I think that was my brain's way of protecting me from taking in all at once the reality of who I was seeing. Huh, Alice Walker, Cicely Tyson, and then, oh, it's her, it's Maya Angelou. I stared, well, I tried not to stare and failed as she walked up and stopped at the empty seat next to me and began sitting down. Now, I'm, I'm not schizophrenic, but the voices in my head became this screaming mob. They were like, stop staring, I'm not staring. Yes, you are, okay, I'm staring. Well, stop it, you're being creepy. Am not, are too. Are you gonna say something? What, no, it's Maya Angelou. Exactly, it's Maya Angelou, you can't be rude. But maybe she wants to be left alone. Just say hi, don't try to sit in her lap. Fine, fine, okay, okay. Well, hurry up and say something before it gets weird. So I took a deep breath to get my heart out of my throat and I said, good morning. She said, good morning. And that simple exchange of pleasantries was all I could handle. I mean, listen, I essentially get paid to talk for a living and now I couldn't. Like I had no words, at least none on the outside. On the inside, it was a Tower of Babel. Like, oh my God, she spoke to me. Did you hear that? She spoke to me. See, that wasn't so bad. I know, should I say something else? Oh, for the love of God, no, girl. Why not? Cause you'll embarrass us. So I sat there quietly reading my book. And by reading, I mean staring at type on a page. I mean, don't ask me what the book was. I have no idea. All I remember is that I was sitting next to Maya freaking Angelou. I wish I had been reading and still I rise, so the voices in my head could have debated about asking for her autograph. The flight attendant asked Miss Angelou if she wanted anything to drink, and without missing a beat, she said, I'll have a vodka and orange juice. The voices in my head said, well, damn. <laughs> is that why the cage bird sings? <laughs> it wasn't even 10 a.m., okay? Well, it was 5 p.m. somewhere. <laughs> Now, as the flight got underway, the phenomenal woman took out her laptop and the voices said, oh my God, Maya Angelou has a laptop? Of course she had a laptop, but somehow I thought she sort of crafted her brilliance with a feather quill and parchment. And then I thought, oh, Maya Angelou was gonna write a poem right here, right now, while she's next to me. Is this really happening? Oh, this is happening. Now, I had to see what she was writing. I just had to, you understand that, don't you? I mean, so as nonchalantly as I could, which means not at all, I shifted my position in my seat so I could like see her computer screen from the corner of my left eye. And that's when I saw that the Maya Angelou was playing solitaire. Yes, you heard me, solitaire. And just like, oh. just like that, the phenomenal woman was transformed into a real person. A human being. She was 
my Maya. And true, the vodka and orange juice before noon should have clued me in, but you know, I'm a slow learner. So I eased back into a comfortable position in my seat and the voices were quiet for the rest of the trip. And now that my Maya has taken her final flight, the seat next to me while vacant will never be empty. Good night, my Maya. We'll miss you. Safe travels. Wow. Oh my God. That is <laughs> so amazing. Cocktails and, and cards. Girl. Oh my God. It, and she was just, and I didn't bother her. You know, because you know, you see famous people, they probably yeah, want to Yeah, 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 yeah. She was just the person yeah yeah she's yeah. like my auntie my grandma yeah your titi yes the, yes. Titi, the, the, the titi loca <laughs> the cool titi the titi you exactly. whose house you wanted to go to listen and that's what i strive to be every yeah day. me too yeah i oh like i like being the cool auntie i'm perfectly comfortable with the idea that you can buy love <laughs> oh shoot i'm like I, I keep misusing old snap i am single-handedly gonna bring old snap back into the lexicon old oh, snap and may i also add that um ms leanne lord also is tech savvy reading her essay off her little ipad instead of from a book well listen i, I gotta get the that the type in the book is like woo and woo <laughs> oh, oh, oh so so we be needing this like reader's digest like large type version now um once again i'm not speaking about <laughs> My attorney being present. I don't know what you're trying to do here, Michelle Carlo. You are trying to. I, yes, I am comfortable with my chickenness. I'm not raised oh like House God. Gryffindor. I am oh Ravenclaw all God. the way. I'm gonna oh be God. safe right here. Oh my God, I have to get all Lord of the Rings on you, girl. <laughs> so, um, tell us uh, where we can see or hear your fabulousness next. Okay. This interview will probably run sometime in May. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday, May 9th, so it's going to be it's anything that's like going on towards the end towards the end of the month. Wow, I've got uh, tons of stuff coming up. Um, if uh, we have fans up in New Hampshire, I will be there uh, mm. performing. I will be speaking, actually. I'll be doing the keynote for the National uh, Society of Newspaper Columnists. I'm doing their opening keynote address. I don't know why. They're crazy. Uh, and then I'm performing comedy that Saturday. Um, and I'm also going to be the MC uh, for the Northeast Conference on Science and Skepticism. Nice. Which is right here in New York City. When is that? Over at FIT. Uh, that is the last weekend of June. And, and in between, I'm doing tons of stuff, like little local shows. And people can always find me at VeryFunnyLady.com. VeryFunnyLady.com. And you are a very funny lady and a very awesome lady. Oh, thank honey, you for being so on Fish Out of Our oh, We're going to kiss on the air. Kiss on the air. Ciao. What a happy song. That central line, Walking Into Sunshine, playing underneath um, the, some of the interview when Leanne was reading the Maya, the Maya story and at the end. And this is Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn that you have been listening to. And if you like what you hear today or on any other day from season one or going forward, or any other show that Radio Free Brooklyn has on season five, there's something that you could do to support living artists now. Yes, while we're still alive. You can support any show on Patreon. All you need to do 
is go to the a fish out of aqua page on the web www.radiofreebrooklyn.com uh, go to fish out of aqua page or any show page and just a little green button that says sponsor this show and you let patreon take care of the rest you can sponsor any show for as little as one dollar per episode that's like okay so there's 24 episodes left that's like two six packs of like medium craft beer and you'll be supporting a living artist and you know that's pretty important we we like that because you know you give your life to art and um you know sometimes you struggle and stuff and but we don't give up because that's what we do and that brings us to our song that we're going to end with i'm sorry i'm like a little rambling here i'm being the rambling man because right now i'm getting a little choked up thinking about uh greg allman who went to the electric guitar in, in the sky this weekend not that like i was of age to see him in no that's not true i did see him when i was a teenager because i'm old like that but anyway there's a line in the song this song coming up that says and time goes by like hurricanes and faster things and that's really poignant to me because tomorrow isn't promised to us kids if you have art in you let it out because it's the gift that gives on giving like Brooklyn Bandstand that'll be on next, and this song by Greg Allman and the Allman Brothers Band called I Ain't Wasting Time No More. Thank you. 